Hello, everyone. Welcome to Faithbrook Church, to our services happening online, on site, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo. I serve as the Connections Pastor here on staff. Hey, maybe you are a guest here. Maybe this is your first, second, third, a uh, couple times you've been visiting. Either way, we are so stoked that you are here. And in fact, for those of you who are on site, I wanna encourage you to look into the seat back in front of you and grab that blue connection card. So, uh, fill out your information and you can submit it at the end of the service into one of the offering boxes. Also, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guests and submit your information there as well. Whether you submit a connect card physically or digitally, two things will happen. One, I would love to personally follow up with you and just thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join in and worship with us. And two, I would love to make a donation on behalf of Faithbrook to Feed My Starving Children. This is a $5 anonymous donation just on your behalf, just as a way to celebrate you joining in with us this weekend. This is something we do every weekend as a way because we love it when new guests join in and worship with us. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf behalf. Well, guys, summer is sadly coming to a close, but fall is right around the corner. So I want to take a moment to formally invite you to come out to fall kickoff happening Sunday, September 19th. This is a great day where we're going to kick off a brand new series called Win the Day. And after, we're going to have an awesome time celebrating with good food as well. We're going to have the rusty taco truck. We're going to have the Red Rover pizza truck. We're going to have a mini donut truck, and there will also be inflatable for kids of all ages as well. And this will be a fun time to celebrate as a church community a new fall season. Now, the whole reason why we have this kickoff celebration is to have an opportunity to give you the chance to invite someone to church so that they can hear and experience the life-changing message of Jesus. As you came in today, you might have noticed or sat on one of these. Now, this isn't just a reminder for you, but this is a tool for you to give to someone to invite them to fall kickoff. So this next couple of weeks, we want to ask you one question. Who is the one person you are going to be praying for to invite to fall kickoff? We want to give you a chance for the next three weeks to pray for someone that you can invite so that they can join in what God is doing and they can have the, an experience Jesus changing their life, maybe that you have experienced as well. So I look forward to seeing you at kickoff and also your one as well. Well, as we get ready and gear up for fall kickoff, we're going to be moving to two services starting Sunday, September 12th to make sure that we have enough room and space for uh, not only for you to return, but also for our guests as well. So I look forward to seeing you around for two services starting Sunday, September 12th. Well, in just a moment, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Summer on the Mount. Well, several years ago, when I was invited to be a counselor at a Christian youth camp, I was pretty excited, and part of the, the protocol there was they were going to have a debriefing with the counselors and get to know each other. Well, as we got into that circle, I noticed a couple of uh, different type of people across the circle, and they were a couple of big biker dudes, kind of reminded me of, they kind of looked like this guy right here. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah, like, oh, my. Uh, I was like, uh, who invited these guys? Big, gnarly, hardened guys and patches and torn jeans, tattoos. 
And I was like, man, are we really safe around here? I mean, they're going to shank somebody, and what's going on? Well, in just a little bit, I'm going to share the rest of that story. But first, I just want to welcome you to Faithbrook. I'm Pastor Jim. And if you're here in person, maybe your first time, thanks for checking us out. If you're watching us for the first time, uh, welcome. And uh, we're happy to have everyone online and in person. It's going to be a great day today. Many of you know that we have been traversing through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We have called it Summer on the Mount here at Faithbrook. It's the most um, well-known, longest sermon that was recorded in the gospel, especially in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus has been talking about a lot of different subjects that we've been trying to incorporate into our life if we have a desire to live like Christ, to implement him, to model him, to be followers of Jesus Christ. And some of these topics have been very personal, very relevant to everyday life. For instance, he talked about rewarding the secret place. We live in a society that's all about the public platforms, the public uh, uh, appeal, but secretly is where our heart is. This is where our thoughts are. This is where our fears are, our motivations, our soul is. And he says, man, if you can get that in order, if you can really work on the secret inner places, man, then your public place will come alongside. He talked about where our treasures are. Where are we laying up? What's more important to us? Are we thinking eternally? Are we just thinking how comfortable and earthly we can be when it comes to our resources and our treasures? Last week, Pastor Mike talked about worry and stress. Everyone has some worry and stress. And and Jesus says, you know what? Here's the antidote. Seek me first in my kingdom, and I'm going to add all the other things. You can trust me in this. Now, today we're going to go into another subject that's pretty delicate. It's kind of uh, 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 ticklish. And the subject that he wants to address for us today is the subject of judging. So in chapter 7, verse 1 of Matthew, this is what Jesus said to that crowd there. Do Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use... It would be measured to you. Judging. Hmm. Have you ever caught yourself kind of judging other people? They're like, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in that. I wouldn't do that. And before you know it, you're kind of looking down on them. You're kind of thinking, I'm better than you, and how dare you do that? And you make me uncomfortable, and I don't like that. And we can be really critical. We can be very harsh in our mind and sometimes in our actions. Well, I confess to you that in that youth camp and, and uh, that those gnarly-looking biker guys across, uh, I was judging them. I really didn't know uh, who they were. I was judging the, the book of the cover instead of really getting to know who they were. Well, throughout that week, of course, they introduced themselves to me. And, and the big, tall guy, his name was Lurch. I mean, he looked like he was right out of Hell's Angels, man. He was like, yeah, I was in Hell's Angels. I was like, oh, you were. Yes, and then he shared his story. That God called him out of that and redeemed him, and his, his heart was transformed. And these two guys were heavily involved in their local church, and they were a blessing. And, of course, uh, they just came to that, 
that camp to, to encourage and to love these youth and help them find Christ also. And before the end of the week, man, we, we were like best buds. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like I appreciated him. And in fact, after the camp, we went downtown to get some food. And, you know, there's something like walking down the sidewalk with big old Lurch and his friend, right? Their chains and their boots and all this kind of stuff. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, Lurch and me, man, we're buds, right? And don't mess with me because Lurch will kill you. Right? I was like, yeah. Right? I mean, I had, I had him totally judged wrong. Well, this verse, um, do not judge, is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible, is it not? I tell you who really likes it is non-Christians. Oh, they know that verse, man. And anytime they feel pressure or a little bit looked down on or there's some convictions, they pull that out of their pocket and say, don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge me. You back off. And so a lot of times we're, we're kind of confused with that. Well, well ooh, should we judge? Should we not judge? I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Well, in the Bible, it's a big deal. And there are quite a few references about how we deal with judging and looking on people. In fact, uh, one of the writers in the New Testament, James, he addressed the Christians at that time and said this about judging. Don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save and destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Hmm. Well, this might even confuse the, the matter more. Because we're not sure how to navigate right and wrong. We've been taught that there are some things that are out of bounds. We, we call those sinful and even the Ten Commandments. And so when, when people are practicing that, what, what do we do? And should we say that's wrong or maybe we don't say anything? We're just a big ball of, of grace. It's one of the greatest tensions that people that are following Christ have to deal with. Of this, this how do we judge? When do we judge? What, what should we do with this? Well, this morning I'd like to give you some perspective on this. And I would submit to you that there are uh, two types of judging, the good and the bad. But we're going to call one a discerning judgment and the other one condemning judgment. So condemning judgment is really a lot of times subjective. It's kind of like what I did with this lurch guy. I just looked at his outer. I had some feelings and I was a little nervous about this guy. So I just subjectively said, you must be not good and uh, you're wrong and uh, shouldn't be here. We're not really looking at the facts. We're not really looking to, uh, objectively. Before I know it, a lot of times condemning judgment has an air of arrogance. There's some pride that we know better. And before you know it, there, there's some belittling, um, looking down. We can even go into that we're morally superior than them, and you need to learn from us. And if not, then, then you are condemned, and, and it just is, is crushing. In fact, it slides over to the category of flat sinful when we have a condemning judgment against people. Now, this other type Maybe the good judgment would be called discerning judgment. Now, discerning judgment has to do with wisdom, has to do with grace and understanding, and it brings some benefit into our life. In fact, discerning judgment is needed a lot of times for protection. 
Every day or quite often, we have to discern or make a judgment call what, what is good, what is healthy, or could this harm us? For instance, uh, one time I was skiing down a, a slope, and I thought my ski skills were pretty good, and I came to a, a judgment call. It was called the Black Diamond Slope or the Blue Slope. Well, I'd never been on a Black Diamond before. I thought it was pretty good, and so I made a, a discerning judgment call. And uh, I went down the Black Diamond Slope. Well, unfortunately, about 12 feet down that diamond slope, I realized why they call it Black Diamond. And I was falling all over myself. And I'm laying there on the side of a cliff. I'm like, you know, this was not a good example of good judgment. Very poor judgment. Now I had to figure out how I could get down this ski slope without dying, right? I should have made a different judgment call and went down the blue slope. We have to do that in our life. For instance, we have to make a judgment call and say, you know, is it wise to, to go in certain neighborhoods at certain times of the day? Is, it, is that wise? Is, is that healthy for us? Maybe not. There, there's no spiritual arrogance, uh, snobbery in that kind of judgment call, but it's for our protection. And yes, a lot of times discerning judgment is needed for identifying sin. We see references in the Bible. We see the Apostle Paul, who is raising up uh, young pastors in a couple places that they, he writes to them and says, for instance, Timothy, 2 Timothy, now I'm going to empower you, I'm going to ordain you, commission you, and a few things that it's on your job is to correct, rebuke, and encourage. And so sometimes there are times that we have to say, hey, that's out of line. That's just wrong, and there needs to be some correction or there needs to be some rebuking of what is right and wrong. So there's a, there's a healthy place for objective judgment. Sometimes it goes as far as saying, we got, we got to make a call here. An example in uh, 1 Corinthians, or the church of Corinthians, there was some very dysfunctional, uh, sinful behavior happening in this church. And so they're writing the Apostle Paul and say, hey, uh, people are mm, doing these things we're not, we need to do. And, and Paul uh, writes to them in a very strong way and says, you were out of line. Uh, in fact, we, we see it written in 1 Corinthians 5.3 that says, I have already passed judgment on them. He passed judgment on them saying, you're sinful. This is wrong. In fact, he says, we need to excommunicate them. Let them go. Stay away from them. Well, that seems pretty harsh. But in a discerning judgment with wisdom and understanding, there are places where we have to identify sin. There's another time we need a discerning judgment is that what is, what is false and what is true? What can we take a hold of? And Jesus brings this up. In the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 15, when he says, watch out for false prophets or false teachers. They come to you in the sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes <clears throat> from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? <clears throat> it's pretty objectively. Uh, this fruit is not coming from that tree. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad tree bears bad fruit. Discerning judgment calls us to be wise inspectors. Sometimes we can call it <clears throat> fruit inspectors. Aha, well, I, I can tell without uh, having an arrogant, condemning spirit, this is this kind of fruit, right? And especially when it comes to, to identifying teachers and, 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 and preachers. 
You know, when you, when you go out and look at a tomato or you, you see an <clears throat> a apple on a tree, <clears throat> you shouldn't inspect that apple or that tomato because on one side, it might look good, right? But if you don't inspect it and you look on the other side, there, there is some, some rotten areas or some bug infestation. And you're like, yeah, that's not what I should be eating. This is what Jesus is talking about. We're not here to morally judge them, but we do need to inspect. What is their character? What is the truth? If there's something that's corrosive, uh, something that's poisoning, we need to be able to identify, recognize that. And you know that I fall into this category. I, I would be a teacher, prophet, teacher, what have you. He says, you need to check them out. That's why here at Faithbrook, we want you to read the scriptures with us or, or look in your Bible also. Am I, am I teaching the truth? Is it God's truth or some false gospel, some false truth? Also, what is, what is my character like? He says, if you're going to stand up and preach the gospel, then people need to inspect your fruit, not just your platform appearance, but your everyday life. And if there's something that doesn't line up with Christ, then we need to be aware of that to, to recognize it. This is an example of discerning judgment that is critically needed. Now, a lot of you parents, you know about discerning judgment because a lot of times you have to make judgments. Let's, for instance, uh, who your kids are going to hang out with. So your, your child says, hey, mom and dad, I'd like to go over to my friend's house. And you're thinking, hmm, I kind of know that family. And, uh, you know, the, the police have been called there a couple times the last couple of years. And uh, there's some dysfunction going on. And all of a sudden you're put in the dilemma where you've got to make a, a judgment call. And so you're kind of recognizing and, and you've got to make a call to let your child go over there. Now, if you start saying, well, you know, that, that family, they're, they're no good. And I can't believe what they do over there. And if they would just get their act together and know Jesus, and you better not go over there because they're bad people. That is condemning judgment. That, that's wrong. But somewhere we have to make a judgment call. You, you might say, you know, honey, why don't you ask that friend to come to our house? That's an example of of discerning judgment. Even you, every one of us, we have to discern our friends. Uh, teenagers, you're going to be going back to school here pretty soon, and there might be some guy or gal that wants to date you, right? And so you have to look, you have to be a fruit inspector, and you're going to say, what, what is your character? What's going on here? I'm not trying to spiritually, morally judge you, but, but I kind of want to check you out. Maybe you're, you're working and a coworker says, hey, I want to invite you and your wife over to, uh, uh, your spouse over to a party, and we're going to have a great uh, time. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I've been, I've been following this person, and their character, their fruit is not <laughs> too healthy. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of times they talk behind people's back. They're known to lie. They're loose with their liquor. And, uh, you know, maybe this is not a good judgment call to go hang out with them. A, a, an example of discerning judgment. So we have identified two types of judgments. We got the bad, and that would be the condemning judgment, arrogance, pride, superiority. Then we have the healthy, and that is the discerning. It has to do with wisdom, understanding. So how do we avoid getting trapped in the, the bad, the condemning judgment? Well, Jesus gives us some wisdom right there underneath these two scriptures in chapter 7 of Matthew when he says, Why do you look at the speck of the sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, well, let me take the speck out of your eye when all that time there is a plank in your eye? A plank is like a big old board. Are you kidding me? Jesus is kind of being sarcastic here, but he's trying to make the point. Who are you trying to help others and to judge others with their little weaknesses, their sin, their issues? When Man, you, you got a lot in your mind. Now, you have to understand in that big crowd, you know who's listening in is the Pharisees, right? And he's really targeting these Pharisees. He says, you hypocrite. Now, Jesus, I mean, if you push his buttons, it was about hypocrisy. And especially these Pharisees, man, they are so pious. They're so holier than thou. They, they had nothing to do with the heart. It was all about religion and rules. And, and they had their own sin. And so he just says, man, you are a hypocrite. You know what you need to do? First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Wow. How often are we critical of others and their specs and their issues and their weakness, and we rarely look within ourselves? Rarely are we self-aware that maybe we need to do some changing. Maybe we need to do some self-evaluating before we get preachy and condemning and arrogant onto others. So, so what should we do? Well, what, is, what is the solution well, I would submit to you that it's all about the heart. In fact, a humble heart is the difference between discerning judgment and condemning judgment. The humble heart, that's the difference. That's where Jesus is driving on to. Have you ever thought, then, then why are we so tempted to judge? I mean, it's so easy to judge. You know, whatever level you are spiritually, uh, not spiritually. I mean, there's just something about human nature that we can easily uh, look down on people. Could it be that the, one of the reasons that subconsciously we have the desire to build ourselves up? Uh, maybe we're highly critical of ourselves and we're, we're trying to make that benchmark. And so it makes us feel better if we find someone that's not doing it. And, and, and it's like, well, look at them. And a lot of times it's human nature just kind of compare ourselves. Well, I don't do that. And, uh, man, I, that makes me more holy, and God must love me more because look at them. And, and really, we're just trying to make ourselves feel better and build ourselves up subconsciously. I've learned over the last year or so that there might be something deeper, something more emotional. I was introduced to the idea that sometimes we're triggered by someone or something that threatens our, our values, our core values. It triggers us, something that's real important. For instance... Uh, you know, these, these, these biker dudes that were there, it kind of triggered me. I didn't know it at that time, but I look back at it. It's like, you know, I didn't appreciate what they were wearing at this Christian camp. Why? Well, I was raised in a, in a pretty conservative home, and my mom and dad says, you know, when we go out, we need to look presentable, okay? So you just, Jimmy, they call me Jimmy, right? You can't just look like slop, right? Especially if we're going to a a Christian event in church. And so, you know, my, my mom would always make their kids look good or, or uh, taught me how to iron my, my shirts, you know, and creases and stuff. It was, a, it was a matter of respecting people. In fact, what you were wearing, you were really making a statement. Is this important? Is this respectful? Is this loving? And so I was kind of taught that way. So someone to come to a Christian event is just like, I don't care what I wear. I got big old nasty boots and wrinkled jeans and long hair, ungroomed and all that kind of stuff. That kind of triggered my core values that I was raised in. Before I know it, I'm going down the slope of judgment because I held these values while these people, they wasn't raised that way. 
And these things can easily trigger us. You know that's really common for maybe older Christians is the evolution, the change of human sexuality in America. You talk about triggering. I mean, when we start talking about the LGBTQ community, right, people get really nervous, right? Oh, boy, it's those people, and I can't believe that they have that lifestyle. I can't believe they have those thoughts. Are you kidding me? You're questioning your sexuality, and oh, my goodness, how can you be bisexual and trans and all this kind of stuff? Before you know, we can be highly critical. We can be highly fearful, and they, we come off very judgmental, very uh, uh, condemning, demeaning, etc. And, and a lot of times, us Christians, we, we, don't, we don't understand. We don't even try to understand. We're just like, hey, that's way out of line, man. How dare you? You must be crazy, okay? I remember a couple years ago, I went to a, a Christian seminar. They had a Christian psychiatrist, and he was talking about this, this I call it, evolution that's changing in, in America, and, and how churches and pastors ought to navigate this and stuff. And one of the things that really opened up my mind, he says, man, I have a lot of clients that are dealing with sexual issues, identity. He says, you have to understand that these people are having thoughts and feelings that you've never had before. And so you're, you're trying to filter that through your thoughts, but they have thoughts that you have no idea that they were just maybe born with, right? And so they're coming to, sitting on my couch asking me, you know, how do we deal with this? And by the way, he said, a lot of these people didn't ask for these thoughts. They're not even wanting these thoughts, and yet they have to deal with this in a spiritual way, a Christian way. And it kind of dawned on me that, man, we just blanket everybody. He says, yeah, usually we make judgments on the loud ones, the ones that are out there. That's how we just judge them all. But a lot of times they're, they're wrestling with identities and issues that you don't know. And maybe we need a little bit of humility. Maybe we need a little bit of grace to help understand. You know, another area I think that really triggers us a lot of times is politics, right? Man, we, we love certain things. We value certain things. And if someone doesn't uh, follow along with, with our politics and our values, then, man, we, we got to let them know. And we're, we're in the age of rage, right? And we just have a, a keyboard there to let everybody know the, how we feel. And we push back. And, and a lot of times there's some harshness. There's some uh, criticalness. This, and it really it's kind of fallen over to this condemning judgment. We know better than you. And how dare you think anything differently politically or sexually or spiritually because we know more and we know best and this is what jesus is trying to caution us with and what jesus wants us to grab a hold on is a humble heart and we can have healthy decent judgment if it's discerning not condemning so if this is true how do we live out a humble heart and prevent from sliding over into this unhealthy, condemning judgment. Well, let me give you a few ideas that I'm trying to practice myself. Number one is that to remember to ask God for a humble heart, to, to pray to God and say, God, you know my tendencies. Maybe, maybe I, I grew up in a very opinionated family, and it's easy just to trigger, and boom, that's wrong. Right? Would you prompt me to be a little bit more humble, and graceful instead of just jumping off on some opinion or some critical analysis prompt me to be more aware that 
Maybe there's some insecurities going on in my heart, in my life, that it makes me easy to judge others. Would, would you help me not to be so arrogant or superior when it comes to judging? Keep my heart soft and humble in you. Uh, number two, I would, I would suggest to you that remember that you are a work in progress. You are a work in progress. Remember when Jesus said, who are you to point out other people's specs while you've got a big old plank in your life, in your, your eye, right? You remember your, your, maybe your fifth grade teacher says, anytime you point to someone and say, you're wrong, guess what? we got three fingers coming back to this point in us. It's so easy to say, yeah, I see, see, huh-huh, but do we see it in our life? Are we humble enough and full of grace to say, well, maybe I first need to work on some of my planks, some of my temptation, weaknesses, sin, etc., to be a person of grace and humility? Number three, I want to suggest you to remember that there's always stories behind behaviors. There's always stories behind behaviors. So, Boy, um, you know, I, I would have to confess, probably repent that when I got into ministry, man, I knew my theology. I knew what God was expecting. And when people didn't line up to that, man, in my mind, I was just like, you got a spiritual problem. You got a spiritual problem and you just need to pray through and get committed and dedicated. Everything's going to be solved. And through, the, through the, my ministry years, I've ran into a lot of personalities, okay? And uh, sometimes people were not very godly. Not godly. Uh-uh, they were, I don't know, arrogant, pushy, grumpy, wrong. Some were kind of weird, flaky, and, and I'm just like, get it together, people, right? Read the Bible, pray, you know, sanctify, whatever, boom, right? And as I'm maturing, I'm learning, oh, it's just not that simple, right? And, and then I'm listening to people's stories, and I'm hearing their, their backgrounds. I'm hearing how they raised, and I'm like, oh, 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 you've been through a lot of stuff. I had no idea. I wasn't raised that way. I didn't experience it before. You know, man, people have been through a lot of junk. And all that junk shows up in personality sometimes. And we, we don't take time to realize that maybe that's why they're a little flaky. Maybe that's why they're a little bit insecure. Maybe they're arrogant or grumpy. or uh, You never know. You know, a lot of times we just say, wow, that person was out of line, but... We forget that back home, things are not going well at home. Something's going on with their kids. Something's going on with their marriage. We, we don't take time to understand that maybe at work, things are breaking down. And, and they're not sure. And then they show up in our presence. And, and there's some actions or some attitudes. And we're like, oh, that's, that's out of line, right? And it's like, hmm. Uh, we're now beginning to realize, man, there's, there's a lot of emotional things that we're working through. Not everything's just spiritual right? We now know there's a a plague of mental health, and it's just not always, we just don't always throw it into the spiritual category and say, well, how does our emotions, how does our past, how does our mental play into our our Christian life and, and our behaviors? Because many times there's a story going on that produces that behavior. One of the greatest examples of good discerning, healthy judgment is found in John chapter 8. And this is the story where Jesus is drug in to this tense uh, moment where the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, have found this lady, caught this lady in the act of adultery. And the Mosaic law, the law of Moses said, you know, um, uh, to, to enforce this, she should be killed. 
We just need to let the people know this is way out of line. Everybody's picking up stone, and they drag him, Jesus. And, and John notes that, that, that the Pharisees are trying to entrap Jesus. And Jesus, what do you say we need to do with this lady that has been in sin and adultery? Jesus pauses. They're trying to trap him. Jesus knows that if he just lets the, the lady go, then that's wrong. That, that, that's not in line with God's will. Uh, but he's like, stoner, man. Uh, that, is this the proper place to stone someone who's walked out of line? So John notes that Jesus, in all his calmness, coolness, right, he just stoops down, and he starts riding in the, in the dirt, the sand. Doesn't tell us exactly what he's, what he's riding, and they keep yelling at him, demanding, hey, give us an answer, give us an answer, because we want to entrap you. Jesus doesn't say anything. After a while, he stands up, and this is what he says. All right, but let the... The one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Okay? You guys out there, you've never sinned before, you throw the first stone. You never cross the line sexually, go ahead. Now, maybe some speculate that the, as he bends back down, starts writing in the dust, he starts writing names. Some speculate he starts writing dates. And those people with the stone look down, they're like, oh, uh-oh. He just wrote my name and, oh. And many believe that they realize that Jesus knows their story. Jesus knows their sin. And pretty soon, there's some, those stones are being dropped. People are fading out, walking away. Now it's quiet. There's this broken, embarrassed, crushed lady sobbing. Jesus bends down and says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She gets up. She looks around. She says, no, Lord. And then Jesus said this mic-dropping statement. Neither do I go and sin no more. Neither do I go and sin no more. What did Jesus teach us right here about judgment? Jesus didn't teach us to say, hey, you, can, you know, you can just have a, uh, an attitude of mercy and grace, and sin doesn't count, and sexual sin doesn't count. No, he didn't do that. He said sin no more. He addressed the sin, right? He didn't disqualify it. So he's just not saying that doesn't count. It does count, absolutely. But he showed and modeled an attitude of humility, of grace, wisdom, understanding, because he knew her story. See, the people there only saw her sin, but Jesus saw her story. People just saw the act, right? That's out of line. That's wrong. That's sinful. But Jesus went deeper. He saw behind the behavior into her story and how maybe sin affected her. Could it be that he knew what she was dealing with? Could it be maybe that Jesus knew the story that just a couple of weeks before her husband betrayed her in the act of adultery? And so she's like, I don't care. I'm going to get back at him. I don't know. Maybe she grew up in a family that that was just part of sexual sin was just part of it. It was just modeled for her. And she's like, what's the big deal? Could it be that she was a victim of, of sexual abuse and she's never been helped to navigate that and heal from that? And, and she's just acting out on this. Maybe Jesus, but we know that Jesus knew her story. And that comes into play. You know what, my friends? Jesus knows your story. Jesus knows your story. Yes, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And a lot of that sin comes from our baggage and our story and the things that we are walking through. And we, I'm preaching about a Jesus that knows your story. 
He understands your baggage. He understands some of the things that happened that we acted out on and we crossed the line of sin. And he's willing to forgive us. And he's not like saying that doesn't count. It does. It needs forgiving. We need to repent. But he understands where we come from, just like he knew from this, this lady came from. And so we learn that Jesus discerned the sin, but he did not condemn the person. There it is right there. We, we have to identify uh, what is right and wrong and what is sin according to God's biblical word, not our opinion, but his biblical word. But at the same time, God says, man, don't go into that arrogant, moral superiority condemning spirit. And yes, I understand it is tricky today. More and more, our, our society is, is drifting away from God's words and his standards. And so more and more, we're, we're having to make judgment calls for our kids, our families, our decisions, everyday decisions, right? But God can help us, especially have that humble heart, because it's the difference between discerning judgment and a condemning judgment. So, so maybe we need to evaluate. Maybe... We need to just be humble ourselves and say, you know, do, do I have a, um, a temptation a lot of times to just critique people, be critical of them, judge them? Um, do I slide over there sometimes? Is there something that triggers me because maybe this was a hardcore value I was growing up and when someone doesn't live that way or behave that way, I mean, I'm instantly just kind of writing them off. Maybe there's something that subconsciously we're like, wow, that makes me feel better when I can see and show that I'm better than that person morally, spiritually. I don't know. But I know that we need to have a humble heart if we're going to prevent uh, the bad, um, condemning type of spirit in our life and in our church. So I invite you to stand. We'll just have a moment of prayer a little bit before we are dismissed. Gracious God, I'm so thankful for your Bible and the Word of God. It's, it's so transformational. It's so eye-opening. It's so relevant and practical to our everyday life and emotions and situations. This morning, Father, would you search our hearts? Would you convict us if we've ever been too quick to judge or belittle or to condemn someone? Would you help us cultivate a humble heart? to practice discernment and wisdom, understanding in the context of judgment. This morning, Father, we give you permission to prompt us when we're going down that path of, of belittling or demeaning someone, a spirit of condemnation. And Father, at the same time, would you give us wisdom and discernment to objectively inspect things without morally judging someone, to identify if, if something is, is not of God and, and can corrupt us and hurt us and pollute us. Just help us to be fruit inspectors. Help us to take time to understand that there might be some issues that we don't know about in someone's life, their stories that is causing that, that behavior. And Father, God, help us, remind us that we are also an, a work in progress, that we have a, a lot of things that we also need to improve on and be more focused about our weaknesses than other people's weaknesses. We know that your grace is sufficient. We know that we are all on a journey, God, that we are growing more and more to be like you. We appreciate your love and your grace. 
Help us to be more like you and do your will. We ask it all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Well, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for viewing this morning and worshiping online. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about having the confidence of God. So have a great week. You're dismissed.